I'm Darren Garrahy and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. And before we kick on with the show today, I just want to say I am so happy and so grateful that The Laughs of Your Life Live on Thursday the 13th of April sold out in less than 30 minutes. I could never have dreamt of that happening, not to mention having the chance to put on a second date. So in case you missed out on tickets, The Laughs of Your Life Live at the Borgosh Energy Theatre on Wednesday the 12th of April 2023 is on sale now. I know they're selling fast, so if you want to be there, do not miss out. Head over to Ticketmaster.ie or BoardgoshEnergyTheatre.ie to nab your seats. Of course, there's going to be fabulous podcast guests, but we'll also have amazing live music and plenty of other surprises. I cannot wait to see you there. Okay, on to today's guest. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at to if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? And it's behind the bar in there the in shows. How yeah. did they get it? I must have left it there. I don't know, when I was drunk one night or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that's amazing. Yeah, literally just walking by the door there. And did, half you, ask, an hour did you ask for it back? Ah, no, I'm kind of proud it's in there. Gillian would have had it in the attic by now. If it was. <laughs> Niall Quinn is one of our best known footballers, having played in the Premier League with Man City and two World Cups with Ireland. But there's so much more to Niall. We chatted about how his dad, a true hurling man, didn't think much of soccer. What he was surprised to find he had left behind the bar in Kyo's pub and how he followed through on a 40-year-old promise to his mum. This season of The Laughs of Your Life is once again brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this winter. And here we go again. Price discounts for Tesco Club Card members. Yes, it is back and running from Monday the 14th of November all the way to Sunday the 20th of November. There's 25% off all FNF clothing for Club Card members. This is why you need to get yourself a Club Card. I've been banging on about it. If you don't already have one, get the Tesco app. You can scan your Club Card barcode directly from your phone and then you rack up the points every time you do a food shop or buy some nice bits in FNF, available at over 80 Tesco stores nationwide. And for this weekend, they'll all be 25% off. Enjoy. And now for my chat with Niall Quinn. I hope you enjoy. Niall Quinn, you are extremely welcome to the Laughs Your Life podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. You're, you're very good to ask me. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. We, uh, we both got the memo about having to wear blue today. Yeah, I, I'm wearing blue and it looks like I'm wearing a big Dublin top here, but it's actually Ballybunion Golf Club, as you can see here yeah, in the corner. Nice. So it's actually a Kerry jersey in the Dublin colours. Lovely. Are you golfing today? or <laughs> No, I'm not. No, no. I just, um, I thought I'd dress down for right. you, Darren. Is that okay? That's absolutely fine. Sure, we're all, yeah. We like our casual gear here. Smart cash. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we should just get into it. But before we do, actually, I want to give a shout out to my neighbours in Castle Knock, who are good friends with yourself and the lovely Jill. Yes, yeah, um, Dave and Alwyn, yeah. uh, who live near you. I believe they mind your dog when you go off and don't come home in time. And you do. Th- <laughs> <laughs> I knew they'd me. No, I'm always like, guys, do you mind if you just take him for like five hours and yeah. then I'll like rock back? Probably like 10 hours later. I'm like, oh, thank you so much uh, for that. I've had like 17 margaritas. But look, they're always so nice about it. No, they're great friends. Yeah, great friends of mine. Good people. Great people. Okay, Niall, we're going to start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I love that you have your homework done. Thank you for that. Oh, no problem. I was afraid in my life not to. <laughs> <laughs> Who was in your ear? Uh, Andy McNally and, yeah. and Noel Kelly Management um, said, you better have your notes ready. So I went, oh, okay. Yeah, no better man than Andy <laughs> to kind of give you an L fright. So yeah, th- this looks great. Okay, your first memory of laughter at Noel Quinn. Well, I was thinking about that um, for quite a while and to get started, like everything was, was hard. But then I realised, you know, living around the corner from us, we had Hal Roach, who was a famous Irish comedian who had his own show on TV. And then further up the road, Sonny Knowles. Now, he was more a singer and entertainer, but he had his own TV programme. 
and Larry Murray was a footballer for Rovers who lived across the road so we had all these people near us or, or within 100 yards of where we lived and all the kids on the street you know when, when Hal Roach would be going by we'd all chase his car and wave at him and stuff and you go inside and watch him on the telly you know looking back he was kind of like a, a Tommy Cooper style Irish version if you like and uh, he did silly tricks that didn't quite work all the time um and I think uh, write it down was his, was his catchphrase. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd tell a funny joke and go, write it down, write it down. And uh, like we were really young at that point, you know, maybe four, five, six, seven years of age and probably didn't even understand what he was on about, but used to laugh our head off at him. So <laughs> it's a throwback years and years ago. Not many people will remember him, but um, he was pretty big, you know. So were you one of those people or from one of those families that you were constantly out in the road and having the crack? Lived on the road and... Um, I can remember that there was a funny saying that used to go around, um, the poorer kids, the mother would shout out, come in, your dinner's poured out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. never heard that. <laughs> but, you know, my mother would go, no, we had steak and spuds, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there was a bit, of, a bit of that going on. But, yeah, we all went out on the road. Like, I, where I lived, and I lived in a place called Hillsbrook Drive, there was Muckross uh, Green and Muckross Avenue beside me, Hillsbrook Avenue. I knew everybody in every house. Whereabouts in Dublin is that? So it's in a place called Perrystown. Uh, which is in the parish of Crumlin. And for many years there, the neighbours would say Terenure, not Crumlin, but it was the parish of Crumlin. I'm very proud of them from the parish of Crumlin. But I see in the most recent um, Googling of Perrystown that I did that it's actually called a leafy oasis on the south side of them. Somebody <laughs> has put some, obviously somebody was selling a house there and put a, a big uh, marketing campaign around the Googling of Perrystown. But it was it was a wonderful place to grow up where all of the young people just went out from the, particularly in the summer holidays, the, the, as soon as you were allowed out in the morning till it was dark at night and you'd come in and it was as safe as could be. Everybody played on the roads. We played football. We played all those games, Bulldog and Rounders and... Uh, and everybody knew each other and it was um, it was a wonderful community to grow up in. Am I right in saying both your parents were tip? Yeah, so we were kind of blow-ins, as they say. My mother and father were from tip. They'd gone to London. Uh, my mother was a teacher but lost her job because she got married, which was what happened to civil servants in those days. Uh, and when it opened up to, that she could get her job back or become a teacher again, they came home from England and settled in Perrystown. So we lived in, in Hillsborough Drive there and... Uh, my sister, my eldest sister, Rosie, was born in England, but the rest of, the rest of us were born in Perrystown. And inexplicably then, my three sisters all married and moved to Tipperary. Stop! And uh, so the girls I grew up with in Perrystown, Crumlin, who would always say to me growing up, how's it going? Uh, you say hello to them now and they go, well... <laughs> you know? so my whole family sort of uh character or i suppose yeah the character of, of our yeah. family has changed you know all my family are temporary my mom and dad moved back down then when grandchildren came along for my sisters wow so i was over in the uk so i came back in 2003 and all my family had replanted itself back in Tipperary and grandchildren and great-grandchildren came along. So I'm the only outsider now, if you like. And do you like to go down? I do, yeah. My mother's uh, still flying. She's she's going great. She's um, on her own. She's in her 93rd year. Uh, you know, a, a ex-teacher and very strong character. Um, girls help her out great, but she insists on living on her own and she's healthy. And, and she was great. Still, you know, put good principles into us and... Uh, you know, she, she would always help out people when she could. She, she was a real decent person. And, and my dad was a great character. He, um, he was well known in the Greyhound tracks and the pubs uh, and the racing um, sort of uh, calendar as well, all the different courses that he would go. He'd go and watch racing. And he loved uh, Gaelic games, hurling in particular. So, you know, he used to throw us in the car, bring us to matches all over the country. And he knew people all over the country. And that played out, I think, in his funeral because people were coming from all over Ireland to the house 
when he passed away there um, some years ago. And it was just, we knew he was popular, but it was only after he went, he went, my God, he had friends everywhere, you know? So, yeah. so that was the kind of family, it was, a, it was an affable family. It was a country family living in Dublin. Um, I used to get a bit of stick, you know, my Dublin friends thought I was a, a Tipperary man. And then all the people, my cousins in relation to Tipperary used to call me a dub. Uh, and I had this half, like, a lot of people I know have this, you know, with, who, who have parents from the country, yeah. you know, they ha- they kind of hang on to a bit of the country. Of course, for sure. Both yeah. my parents are Claire, but I'm born yeah. and married in Dublin. And I, I would get that a lot. And, and would you like, be saying, Jay's, I wonder how Claire went today. And would you be oh, watching yeah. that? Yeah. It's oh, so, no, so, the, the Claire yeah. jerseys were put on us without any yeah, choice. exactly. So that, that's that's <laughs> the kind of family I came from too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Niall, the first time you felt laughed at, can you recall? Yeah, I, I, I really and truly... Um, it was, I was 16 years of age when I, and now it could have happened before and I didn't really know it or it didn't register it. But when I went to Arsenal as a kid, as this raw kid from Dublin and suddenly you're in this dressing room with all these wise crack sort of um, wise guy, 16 year olds from London, you know, the Cockney Spivs and, and uh, you're lost, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the tube station. Why doesn't anybody talk to each other around here? You know, and they're, they're all just milling along, getting on the train. Nobody looks at each other. And, you know, the world I was coming from, should we just talk, well, I was gone, you know, didn't happen there. So I kind of was a bit lost. And, and uh, my going away present, because I went away uh, in October and the first week in October when I went off. So my mother, as uh, for me heading off to the UK to be a footballer, she got me a beautiful duffel coat, you know, which was big at the time. Yeah. I didn't have much money. And I, I can remember, you know, the first day getting getting off the tube and Dave Rowcastle, Lord to mercy, Rocky, was a great footballer. He passed away at a young age. Rocky, you know, tipping me on the shoulder said, uh, hey, you coming to join us? Because he'd seen me on trial a few weeks earlier. And I went, yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a contract. He went, oh, great, good on you. Um, do yourself a favour, leave the duffel coat here. Don't wear the duffel coat in the Stop. and I was going, I was going, what? You're joking? You know, I've got to wear the duffel coat. He went, please don't, don't wear the duffel coat. And I went, no, no, you know, I was like, fuck that. I'm wearing my duffel coat, you know. So obviously he was dead right, you know. <laughs> and I got destroyed. And, and then about a week later, so I remember then, you know, I'd wear it to the to the tube station and give it to the ticket collector behind the thing. So I'll get that off you later on now and I'll get I'll wear it in the way on. Yeah, that's where you wear because you don't want people laughing at you. And then um and then the, the, it got worse than that. Uh, a couple of weeks in then, uh, Terry Neal was the manager from Bangor in Northern Ireland. He was a great man. And Terry came in after a couple of weeks and said, how are you getting on? You know, and I said, oh, geez, I'm going grand, but nobody seems to understand the word I'm saying here. It's really difficult. And he went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so I started repeating it and they said, oh, nobody can understand the word I'm saying. He went, here, hang on a minute, hang on. And he started bringing people into the dressing room. And, I, and, I, and I'm there going, speaking to these people. No one seems to understand a word I'm saying. Like, I must have said it about six times. <laughs> And I can remember being on the tube on the way home and it all dawned on me, like, you know, right? And I was nearly going to pretend I was sick the next day and not go oh, in. Oh, no. Know? So that would be the first time when I really... Felt like that. Well, you're, you're 16 and you think, you yeah. know, you're off in London and you think you know the world and actually you're so far away. It's it's, it's frightening. I mean, I don't I don't mean to remind you of your age, Niall, because I know it can be a tender subject for <laughs> no, any... <laughs> well, I think for people who have been in sport, it can be. Maybe it's not for you. No. But I mean, that was 40 years ago now. Yeah, no, that's mad. It's hard to think. And when you think of you then, mm-hmm. did you feel like you were a man in London or did you feel like a boy? Or well, how was it? In my head, I was a man. But of course, in reality, I was less than a boy. You know, yeah. I, I, I'd hit this big sort of smoke. And... Uh, 
I, I'd come off the back of a summer of a, a little bit of what you'd call quasi-Dublin celebrityism in that I'd played, I'd played in a minor hurling final. We'd got beaten in it, but um, I'd received a bit of media presence about that. I had been to Australia that summer with a, a, a Dublin College's Gaelic football panel that went and played Aussie rules only, not a mixture. And I felt... Oh, I've arrived in life now. Now I was never homesick. Now, that's not a slight on, on my home, my yeah. great home, but I was just full of adventure. Okay. And when I got there, it was like, oh Jesus, this isn't simple. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The lead up to actually getting there, what was that like for you? Like to actually get on the flight and go over? Well, I went on trial first. Yeah. So, you know, Bill Darby was the Arsenal scout and he came to our home and uh, was with a guy called Joe Haverty, who I didn't know at the time that it was Joe Haverty but Joe Haverty had played for Arsenal in the late 50s he'd been a winger and the two of them called to my house and came in met my mother and father myself and said uh, we've waited till Niall finished his hurling and literally it was only about three days later and we'd like to bring him to Arsenal on a trial we think he'll do very well I hadn't played a match since May I would say and here it was in September and he was offering me a trial so I'd had a failure at Fulham Fulham had rejected me a year year and a half earlier and so I, uh, I said, sure, geez, it'd be great to get a, a week or two out of school. Yeah. And, and it was a two-week trial. So the other thing was, it was a, a flight. You know, most Irish people who were leaving in the 80s were going on boats. Yeah. So I had a flight over, so that was going to be good. And uh, I was going to get to see Arsenal. Uh, a lot of Irish players had become international heroes by then. Obviously, Liam Brady, Frank Stapleton, Dave O'Leary, John Devine. There was quite a few. And it was a thrill to uh, to just go over. And so I didn't feel any pressure. I hadn't played a competitive game in months. And I really saw this as uh, an opportunity to boast when I came home to my mates to say I was at Arsenal on trial. It was a two-week trial and a week in, they sent me home and said, we're, uh, we're going to give you a three-year contract. So that there was no preparation. There was no agents. There was no nothing. They, they came to the Skyline Hotel to uh, sign me up and... You know, I, I, my mother had never done a contract before. <laughs> I'd never done a contract before. And my mother, is there anything you want? Like money? Jeez, when I look back now, we're so naive. So they offered us buttons, but that was fine. Just delighted. I'm, 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 I'm going to Arsenal. And, um, you know, and my mother went, well, I want to see his education. I went, oh, yeah, he'll get the best education ever. Oh, wait, you see the education I'm going to give your boy, you know. And um, anyway, with that in mind, uh, she was happy that I would, I was, I'd agreed to compete my A-levels. And my bit was that I could go back and play for the Dublin Minor Hurling team the next year. So they were the only two things that we asked for in the contract. And uh, anyway, how both things worked out. So I never did the A-levels. I was too tired. It was just all that traveling from one side of the the city, Twickenham, where my auntie lived, to Arsenal every day before training and after. So so the the education got pushed to one side. And then um, in relation to playing for the Dublin Minor Hurling team the second year, I came back. The, the prodigal son, here I am. And uh, the manager said, that's ah, okay, we don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Really? So, uh, so, yeah, so that was um, that was life back then. It was, it was 1983, yeah. or, you know, it was a different place. And just delighted to have a, a job. I was delighted I didn't have to do the leaving. Yeah. I was getting out Chuffed. of doing the leaving. Um, who knows where it would end. The first year was tough, but the second year got better for me. And then by the third year, I was, I was flying, you know. We're going to come back to this. There is a bit of a bit of the education topic that I want to get to. Oh, and we no will do that. Yeah, no worries. Okay, yeah. Niall, uh, the moment when, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Dave Whelan, who you mentioned earlier, my pal, we sat beside each other in school. And, Is that how you oh, know each yeah, other? Oh, yeah, we've been pals. We, two of us played midfield in Drimna Castle under 14, under 16, under 18. Um, we were rivals in soccer. He played with Greenhills, I played with Manortown. Uh, but we are great friends for, forever, you know, um, both best men for each other's weddings and stuff. And uh, 
anyway, Dave and I were sitting at the back in Irish and we were the two dossers in the class and we were in the very back seat. Uh, in them days, it was probably 44 in a class, something like that. And we had this really tough teacher, Mr. Ryan. I met him recently, actually. He's in Clondalk until, but he was a tough man. You'd be afraid of your life even looking at him. And uh, anyway, as he was, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling the story anyway, but anyway, uh, as he was kind of going, re he was really angry one day at the top of the room and Dave sneaked in behind the guy in front of ours back, a guy called Fergus O'Neill. He was a lovely fella. And uh, without Mr. Ryan being able to see him, we had a nickname for Mr. Ryan. He was known as the pig, you know. Oh right? my God. <laughs> and Dave leaned in behind Fergus O'Neill and he went, Fergus, the pig's face looks like a jockey's bollocks after he's ran the Grand National. <laughs> and Fergus started laughing. And Mr. Ryan came down, lifted chairs and desks out of the way. And he put him up against the wall. What are you laughing at? Tell me what you're laughing at. And we were going, please, Fergus, please don't tell him. Please don't tell him. And he didn't tell him. He took a couple of oh, a couple of rattles. And uh, and anyway, between the jigs and the reels, Fergus O'Neill was our hero there for, for ages. And, we, you know, we thought he was like a, a legend for doing what he did, you know, so got us out of trouble. But he never ratted you out. Never ratted us out, yeah. Fair play yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that's have you one talked, of the... Have you talked to him since? No, never, never. Don't worry. Well, I, think no. it, I think you should reach out now, Niall. Oh my God, that's very funny. Yeah, he lived near Crumlin Shopping Centre there. and I, I knew him very well at the time, but obviously when I went off to England and lost good. <laughs> but we'll never forget that. <laughs> okay, Niall, your no laughing matter moment in life. A time where there wasn't much room for laughter. Yeah, do you know, there, there's not been many, but I think overall, my laughing stopped and my positivity that I have and, and the, the bubbliness... Um, when we had a week with my dad after he'd had a, a really bad stroke and, and he he survived for a week. And that week together with all his family, as, as much as it was um, comforting that we had that week and that we were all together till he passed away, that week the, the laughing stopped and everything comes into sort of the rear view mirror. You look back on everything and you just work out where would I have been without this fella, you know. Um, the love for sport that he put into me. And even though he was hurling GA out the door, when the ban was lifted and, and at the start of the 72 season, when I was six years of age, he let me play for the soccer under eights, you know, which was a big thing for GAA people. Yeah. You know, I, even, you know, a year or two, or a year around about that time, I think Liam Brady was uh, expelled from school, you know, for, for playing a soccer match and not a, not a Gaelic match. And um, so it was, a, it was a funny time. But my dad, as staunch GA as he was, he loved us playing uh playing all sports and he supported me, drove me to the matches. He, he was, he was, he was a great f for character for that. But, but I have to tell you about what he said. He was really GA now. He wasn't a soccer man at all. Right. He came to a few matches in Lansdowne Road and that, and you know, couldn't wait to, 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 to hear the final whistle. But uh, he came, the first time he ever came to London, um, we were playing Spurs. It was Arsenal Spurs. And I'd gotten the team by surprise a couple of weeks earlier. So, you know, no, nobody even came to my debut because it was such a, a kind of a rush that I got in the team. On a Thursday, I was meant to be going to Port Vale on loan. There was injuries. They brought me back. And on the Saturday, I played and played against Liverpool, scored. And suddenly, I was in the team. A big, big sort of break for me. So about two weeks later, eventually, because it, was, it wasn't so easy, not like there was internet and you could get flights and come over. You had to plan. Yeah. And so my dad came over to see me play against Spurs and he stayed with me. I was living on my own and really cramped flat in Enfield at that point. And the night before the game, because of crowd trouble, the match was at half 11. They used to stop people drinking too early before matches. They'd have the derbies at half 11 in the morning. Right. So I had to go to bed early and my dad said, I shall take a wander down to the pub, you know. Anyway, I woke up about two or three in the morning. He still wasn't home. But eventually, anyway, he came home and I brought him into the match and I put him in the players lounge, which was halfway down the tunnel of the of the 
it, it's, it's called the tunnel where the players run out onto the pitch at Highbury and there was a little players lounge in there and I asked your one you know behind the counter now look don't give him too much drink now like you know he's had a, he's had a late night and it's going to be a long day afterwards so that was grand anyway and full house 50,000 people against Spurs really tough game and uh, I went in got changed couldn't wait to see him you know and uh, kind of went into him and uh, well what do you think and he went 90 minutes of the Angelus <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he was a character, you know. Oh, and, um, dad. Well, oh, he's a GAA character. The pride. I mean, I, I work with Donegal Callahan and I've had him on the podcast as well. And his dad passed away when he was six. And sometimes I just think about that and how tragic it is that his dad never got to see all that he achieved. Yeah. yeah. Like, was it palpable for you how proud your dad was of you throughout yes. your whole career? Yes, but he was a staunch GAA man. So it was it was... It was simmering. It was. It, it, I was there, but yeah, I think <laughs> so. In in 1990, uh, I scored against Holland in, in the last to get us into the last 16. Yes, and the the whole of Perrystown went a bit mad, and Jerry Ryan sent out uh, his operatives to the Laurels Pub where my dad used to drink, and my dad hadn't gone home after the match by the time the breakfast show came on. <laughs> My mother to this day is still mortified about this, right? So my dad had been drinking all night and, and it was an incredible night up in the Laurels. And Fiona Looney was working for uh, for, oh, Jerry. For, for Jerry then. And yeah. Fiona would have drank in the pub as well. She was from a great friend of ours growing up. And uh, anyway, he, he eventually, with all the shouting and roarings going on, Jerry Ryan got to say to my dad, just like you said there, you must be so proud of him. And he went... Well, I'd rather he scored a point for Tipperary in a Munster final. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, Don't let I, it go. I, yeah, yeah. So, so he always held on to that GAA thing, but um, he but he to. was proud. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Niall, the person that you always laugh with. Well, I have a great friend in Sunderland, and some of my Irish friends will, will know the answer I was going to give to this anyway. But, uh, Big Eighty. So, Big Eighty was a publican in Sunderland who I got to know where all the players used to go for a drink, and he was a great character. So, he opened his, his pub in Seam literally the day before the minor strike, way back in the 80s. A tough gig. Um, the minor strike was an awful time up in the Northeast. And you get to know these things when you move up and you, you get to feel for an area. Mm. But he opened his pub and gave uh, free soup out to all the striking miners. And so he became a bit of a legend there. He fed families for a long time during the minor strike. And so he's been supported brilliantly. And his pub is, his pub is a different place. It was the Phoenix, it was called. And and it was just full of characters. It was, it was a great place to be. And, and we got to know AD. And AD is... Eighty is like a, if you can imagine the old style comics that used to work the working men's clubs in the north of England, he had jokes about everything. So he, a couple of weeks ago, um, I gave him a call, how are you? And he went, oh, disaster. He said, I've had the shits for three days. And I went, geez, are you okay? He went, ah, yeah, my daughter collected them. They've gone back to school now. <laughs> <laughs> Very so, good. So that's what you're dealing with, you know. Um, and if I rang him today, it'd be something else like that, you know. So, uh, I so love the honesty. That's brilliant. Yeah, big 80. One of the great characters, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Niall Quinn, a time where you had the last laugh. The last laugh. When I was nine years of age, I arrived. <laughs> um, and this is terrible. This is probably the sportsman. At nine years of age, I won the Puck Father competition of the community games in Santry in Mosny, uh, sorry, to qualify for Mosny for the All-Irelands. So I was three years younger than everybody up in Mosny. I was, uh, I'd represent Perrystown, but now I was representing Dublin in the community games. And when I got up there, you know, you had all the Tipperary lads and the Cork lads and the Kilkenny lads, and they were all bigger and stronger than me. And they're going, oh, here's the Jack Ian. 
And I was three years younger than him and I beat him and I won it. Yes. And uh, and I came back and won the next two years as well because I, I, <laughs> I was able to do it. So that was that was when I was at my most proudest dub. I was wearing the dub jersey and I was winning things and I was beating, you know, typical Kenny Cork people. And uh, and every year I got the same motivation. It was, um, you know, I will show, I'll show them country lads now. You know? I love it. And, so, and I was very young then. So that, that was kind of, I guess that helped me then in other things of later course. on. Yeah, yeah. I was able to dig deep at times and, and get the last laugh, you know. Niall, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Um, you seem like a pints man, Niall. Oh, I do. I love, geez, I love going to, I, I love pubs. I, I'm no good to drink in the house or, or I'm no good in a, in a, you know, oh, we'll go and have a house party or we'll, oh God, don't, no, no, I really, <laughs> I'm not great at all. Um, and I'm awkward in, in situations like that, but the Are pub, you? oh yeah, the pub is my salvation. When you find a pub where there's characters, it doesn't matter what level of, of character it is, it doesn't matter whether they're, you know, sort of uh, Skid Row Joe or, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're wealthy people, it doesn't matter. Um, I think... The best pubs are the ones that have the best conversations going, best slagging. And I was walking in here, just coming up towards yeah. Dawson Street, and I was going by Kyo's, and I was thinking that the nights I had there. I went into Kyo's there one time, right, a couple of years ago. <laughs> and I was waiting to get my drink, and I saw, geez, that's, that looks like one of them old Opal Man of the Match things. And I went, fuck me, that's mine, right? <laughs> <laughs> Stop! Opal, Aircom, sorry, it was Aircom at the time. Yeah. Aircom Man of the Match, Niall Quinn. And it's behind the bar in there the in Kells. How yeah. did they get it? I must have left it there. I don't know when I was drunk one night or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that's amazing. Yeah, literally just walking by the door there. And did, half you, ask, an did you ask for it back? Ah, no, I'm kind of proud it's in there. Gillian would have had it in the attic by now. If it was. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, Noel? We're like, we're probably 80% through the oh, interview sorry I'm talking and, too much no no what I was going to say was we haven't really talked about soccer much at all uh, yeah that was a long time ago <laughs> it, was a long, it was a long time ago but like I know the lads here are kind of looking at me going uh, are you going to guess the <laughs> <laughs> so like look at I'm not going to pretend that I know a whole lot about it or even yeah. just like dramas you might have been wrapped up in but the lads were like you have to ask about Saipan in the hotel room so um, will you just, well, will you just to me, yeah, and a, I mean, a lot of the listeners I feel won't are kind of on the same page as me. Well, th- there's nothing too funny about that. Obviously, this is meant to be a program for laughs. <laughs> it was uh, an awful time that got yeah. out of control. And, and when, when things get out of control and things got our legs the wrong way, there was no coming back from it. It was a really, really tough situation in theory. But once we got playing football, it kind of eased the, the pressure. And then we started doing half okay. Um, look, I'll always say, did we miss Roy Keane? We missed Roy Keane an extra time against Spain like you couldn't believe. That would have been the great time together. Now, we ended up losing that game on penalties. But that's kind of a, a wishful thinking position. Um, it was over in the summer there, there was 20-year reviews. And I looked online at about five of them. And I stopped straight away because all five people who wrote it weren't there. So all these people who are telling us the history of it all now weren't actually there. And I think um, those of us who did try and sketch over it and say, look, this happened, but shouldn't have happened. Um, that got pushed away to one side, you know, and uh, a kind of a narrative took off that for good or bad or worse, you know, made, made it um, an absolutely huge story. Regret as, as a team, yeah, um, would love to have uh, not had that, love to have gone into the games, played them the way they did, but who knows, we might even have got as far as we did. It, it, it's hard to know. Um, but for the record, if it was me and only me, I'd wear the jersey and then I'd have my rouse afterwards. Full stop. Sorry, no, no, we were doing great to dodge it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. So, yeah, no, no apologies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Niall. 
What is one thing about Ireland that makes you laugh? Um, the lads who write articles when they weren't there. No, 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 well, no so that, that's kind of just... Uh, so, um, I think we, we've we've two kind of humours here. We have the cute country humour, yeah. you know, where, where the Kerrymen try and make fun out of you with their wisdom and their jokes. But I, I think deep down, I think the Dublin wit kind of always gets me there. A, yeah. good, a good Dublin gag, yeah. you know, I think outbeats all of all of the wit. And um, I, I, I heard one the other day, now you're going to kill my telling jokes. I can't believe I'm telling jokes on radio. But... Uh, <laughs> The, the, the fellow went up to the flower seller in Moore Street. Uh, have you flowers for me girlfriend? And he goes, yeah, what are you after, son? He went, me hole. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can't tell that in Kerry. It just wouldn't work, you know? <laughs> that is so good. Uh, anyway, geez, did I get away with that? That's perfect. That's staying in. That is absolutely not being cut out. Right, okay. Okay. Uh, are you ready for your quick fire, Noel? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll try not to be so shocking. That's that. all right. Yeah. That's all right. Okay. The actor that always makes you laugh, Mark Quinn. I love Fraser Crane, who's Kelsey Grammer. Yes. Um, just, I watch reruns all the time. Uh, him and Niles, of course, they were just. Uh, they were brilliant. They, they brought humour to a level in the in the eighties and and ni- early nineties. There, um, that was just so smart, so brilliant, and yet so funny. He's flown through the wives for a play to him. Oh yeah, he does. A bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's number four now. Has he really? Yeah, he's for a play to him. He's got uh, an ego. So mm-hmm. the, the actress that always makes you laugh, Niall. I kind of split between two. Don French and Vicar Dibley would be another Excellent. rerun. I love it. She's just brilliant. You know, simple but great stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and fabulous actors around them in that program. Yes. Uh, but I, I just give the, the nod to Carolina Hearn because back, back when I was sort of making my way in England, you know, a thing called The Fast Show came along and it was unmissable for a couple of years. It was zany. It was lots and lots of sketches, mad sketches. And I still have this brilliant memory of every week at one point, she'd come on as a Spanish weather girl and she'd just go, Scorchio. <laughs> and she'd throw a, a, a kind of a golden badge up on the map. Total, like, he, play, just didn't want to be there. Scorchio. Yes, Scorchio. Just a powerful woman yeah. and, and taken away far too young yeah. from us, like, you know, but, uh, and she, she I didn't know her, but you, you could, I was close enough when I was at Man City when she was big and she was up around Manchester, Liverpool area. That's, that's where, she, where, you know, occasionally you'd hear she might have been somewhere here having a drink or whatever. So, so it was real sort of, uh, I was a fan, you know. Yeah. yeah but, Niall, um, you're not very one. good at the quick fire round. It was very, it was oh, very the hard. slow fire, okay. <laughs> pace, pace was never a strong point for me. <laughs> and the movie that makes you laugh out loud. At one stage, I think I knew all the words of this movie. Planes, trains and automobiles. Ah, John Candy and Steve Martin. Just Brilliant. hilarious road trip. They're running late, trying to get back for Thanksgiving. And <laughs> it's just, it's, a, it's madness for, for two and a half hours. The comedian that makes you laugh out loud. Well, there was a comedian in Sunderland, Bobby Knoxall, right. and he used to come into our dressing room. Peter Reed used to bring us in, particularly if we got beaten on a Saturday. Right, you know, he'd bring you. us in on a Monday, you know, and, and he'd come in and he'd just take the living piss out of you. Uh, he came over to Ireland many times and he just took over. I remember bringing him down to Tipperary and there were so many things about him. Like, you know, he, he, I, we were in a hotel in Kilnall in Tipperary <laughs> and we'd had a first day was really good but we stayed all at night drinking we didn't get hardly any sleep and we go down for breakfast the next morning we're all dying second day and he calls the young girl over young girl probably doing a bit of college work doing, doing this job on the side and he said uh, I want you to give me a special breakfast this morning and she went I'll try and he said I want cold beans burnt sausages burnt rashers and cold tea and she went oh, we can't do that he went 
you fucking did yesterday. And the whole room, like, so, so every, he was like, he was on stage all the time. Constantly Constantly, performing. constantly. So, so Bobby is my kind of go-to man when I say, who's my favorite comedian? Gosh. Now there's some great ones, you know, yeah. Tommy Tiernan and I love and all those, but, um, but he's one I look back on probably Very most favorite. Yeah. And finally, Niall, geez, you've had a, a couple of zinger jokes on this. <laughs> I don't know, but I made a mess up. How are we going to beat this for oh, your best Jesus. or worst joke? You ha- you, do you have one up your sleeve? Um, I was thinking about this now in case, you know, things hadn't gone well. Um, <laughs> I, and I must be very careful to give the right person credit here because I see James Corden's got into a lot of trouble for robbing somebody else's joke and, yeah, and telling someone else's that, joke. Well. We don't so, want to be making the headlines for the wrong reasons. No, that's right. So a great friend of mine here um, in the town, Albert Sharp. Albert Sharp's one of the best joke tellers I've ever come across. So I have to give Albert the credit for telling this joke. He then will give the credit to Lord Nash and... Westminster or something but that's Albert he hangs around right. those circles but uh, this is this is a joke do you know what a ventriloquist is before we start because yeah the, this guy yeah the yeah. guys who, who, who do the sorry this is, I forgot this is a podcast for a second <laughs> <laughs> the puppet guy yes. they have a yeah, yeah the so, mouth thing so they, they speak without their lips moving exactly, exactly. there you go Cause, cause, thank cause, you Niall because I've actually told this joke and people don't even know what a ventriloquist is like you know oh is that somebody who can fit in a suitcase you know like, you know all this guy <laughs> like you know not as a contortionist you know but anyway um this ventriloquist was out of work and uh, he went to uh, the job centre every week and there was nothing coming up for him. And the lady felt really sorry for him and said, you know, something's after coming up you might be able to do. And what's that? He said, it, it's, uh, it's a medium, clairvoyant. So that, you know, there, there'd be widows looking to speak to their husband. Oh, he said, that'd, that'd be great. I'll do that. So he goes anyway and he learns about it as much as he can and he gets all dressed up and he puts a turban on and he, he's got himself all geared up. He has a, you know, sort of really great atmosphere going inside in his tent. And, and this woman comes in anyway and she said, um, so I've never done this before. What, what do you offer? He said, well, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, for 25 quid, he said, you hold my hands and you can talk to your husband. He said, for 50 quid, he'll talk back to you. But for 100 quid, he'll talk back to you while I'm drinking a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> now, 80% of people won't get that joke, but I, I, I nearly crashed the car the first time I heard it. So... Uh, yeah. Excellent. There you go. Excellent. You delivered many zingers throughout the podcast. <laughs> now, before now, that should be the last question. But before we go, I do want to ask. I said we'd come back to it, the education piece, because mm-hmm. recently you graduated with a well, master's. I got a master's in history, revolutionary history, yeah, from DCU, which was probably one of the best things I've ever done. It, but this was part of a promise. It was, yeah. I, I had a, an itch to scratch there because um, I promised my mother when I joined Arsenal that night in the Skyland Hotel that I would do A-levels in English and history. I actually went as far as to get a teacher. Arson did get me a teacher, but it, it stopped fairly quickly. And um, anyway, the teacher went on to become Minister of Sport in the Labour government, Kate Hoey. It was really weird. Random. Yeah. And Kate was from, from Bangor in Northern Ireland as well. And she was a lovely lady. But just getting up to London College, yeah. you know, as too much. Western, it, was, it was too much and I didn't do it. Promised, oh yeah, I'll go back and do that someday. But I never did. When I told her, that I got it, you know, because you, you know a few weeks before the graduation. Yeah. I rang her and said, I, I got I got that. So now oh, you took your time. Like, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I did, but um, but I was delighted to do it, you know. Yeah. It was, uh, it's really um, something I'd recommend to people, you know, if there's even the slightest bit, he says, I, I wish I'd gone and done a bit more. Do it. There's no downside to it. Niall, there are a lot of people who are going to listen back to this podcast and go, fuck's sake, she didn't get anything juicy out of soccer. <laughs> and then there are, I think there's going to be more people who are going to listen and go, I'm so glad I heard another side to Niall. <laughs> I never knew before. So thank you so much. Not Niall, at all, James. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> 
you for listening to The Last of Your Life with Niall Quinn. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please don't forget to like, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. Don't forget, tickets for The Last of Your Life live at the Borgosh Energy Theatre on Wednesday the 12th of April are on sale now from Ticketmaster.ie or BorgoshEnergyTheatre.ie. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios and this season of The Last of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Music